Welcome to First Mover, presented by Underdog Fantasy. We're live. We've got the fun bucket hat on. It's very adventurous of me. We've got a fun shirt on. It's going to be a fun day. We have this incredible Monday night football game just over an hour away. I'm looking forward to this. I'm Josh Larkey, the director of analytics at playerprofiler.com and Roto Underworld. And you can find me on Twitter at tweets. J-L-A-R-K-Y tweets. We got a good lineup today, so I've got a funny story for you. We're going to discuss two running backs. One I was very right on, one I was not so right on, and kind of discuss what's been going on with them this year. We'll talk a little underdog fantasy. We're going to discuss on DraftKings and FanDuel some QB, running back, receiver, tight end, defenses that I think are very intriguing for this upcoming week seven slate. And I'll give you a little hot take at the end. Oh, and we'll also go through uh, the, (laughs) of course, we'll go through the 10 games on the main slate for week seven. And I'll just discuss that game environment briefly, give you the Vegas game total, what the point spread is. Let's get right into it. So yesterday on Twitter, I hinted at a story about how I lost pretty much instantly over $1,000 in DFS yesterday. Basically, before the slate started, I lost over $1,000. And you might be wondering, how is that possible? What's going on? I just want to let everyone know, no, I'm I'm not about to declare bankruptcy. Fortunately, the show's not about to get canceled. Fortunately, uh, I had an incredible day with underdog player props. So I was actually net positive by about $1,000 on the day yesterday. So we'll discuss those player props, what happened there. But first, here's the DFS story, because you're wondering, how can someone like you lose over a thousand? Well, you know what? I've actually, most weeks I lose money as do most DFS players. It's very hard to be profitable. You're usually going to lose some money each week, but you hope that when you win, you're getting such a high finish in the tournament that it's going to pay for those four, five, two, six weeks previously where you weren't so profitable. Anyway, it's Saturday night. That's usually when I'm setting my DFS lineups on DraftKings and FanDuel, throw up 150 lineups into each platform. And we had some friends over at our apartment, the lady and I actually, I mean, you probably think analytics nerd, you literally have never seen a person in your life. And I'll let you know that that's not quite true. I've seen a few people in my life. We had a few people over. So I thought, you know what? I'm not going to set my lineups Saturday. I'm just going to wake up really early on Sunday and spend a few hours making my lineup, setting them, making sure everything's all taken care of and uploaded. So I decided to use the max reservation system. You can reserve 150 entries on DraftKings or FanDuel for a tournament with one click. If you have the money, it's non-refundable and you can max enter. I do that Saturday night before I go to sleep. I wake up Sunday morning, get ready to just upload my 150 CSV once I have my lineups ready. And that is when I learned that if... (laughs) if you max reserve, you can't just casually upload your 150 and pop them in that tournament. Oh, no, 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 no. You have to manually one by one, bring in the lineups one by one. No max upload function works once you've max reserved. So I had to manually create and import one by one, 150 lineups on each platform. DraftKings, I got around 140, give or take, of my 150 uploaded. So I had some blank entries. FanDuel had this, I had about one minute till the slate started. I hop onto FanDuel. It turns out 
that fortunately, I mean, it didn't seem like you could do this on DraftKings. FanDuel, you're allowed to max enter all 150 lineups at once, but you can't enter your 150 portfolio. So I chose one Patrick Mahomes lineup I liked and entered it in a $5 tournament 150 times. That is right. I won 50 maxed a $5 tournament on FanDuel, their Millie Maker, with the same Mahomes lineup because I didn't have time to manually put in the other ones. That Mahomes lineup had Gibson in it. Uh, He didn't do very well. He was injured going in and out of the lineup. It had Kelsey, who actually had a decent day, even though it is hand injury. I think he had 11 targets, 8 catches, 99 yards, but no touchdown. It's not really going to get there on FanDuel. Essentially, that lineup didn't hit. I had all of my FanDuel equity tied up in that lineup. I lost all the money I put in on FanDuel. And then it was not a super profitable day on DraftKings either. One thing that was really unfortunate is I didn't get to enter. There were about six DAC lineups I had that I couldn't enter. And of course, the DAC lineups looked really good yesterday in hindsight. Oh, well. So that is how I lost over $1,000 on DFS to potentially no fault of my own. I'm not sure. I couldn't even find online. So when I max reserved, I looked and just couldn't even see when Googling whether or not you could 150 CSV upload. So I just figured you could. Uh... And if it turns out that I'm just an idiot, DM me on Twitter at tweets and let me know how to do it. I couldn't find anything on Sunday morning and just bumped up against the clock. It was a few minutes till kickoff and couldn't get those lineups in. So yeah, turned out to be a funny story. Fortunately, it's not like I had $50,000 max reserved. So uh, the, the Larky estate of finances and bankroll is still, still doing okay. Now let, let's talk about a couple running backs. One guy that I was been really right on through five weeks. Another guy that I wasn't, it's not looking so good that I was above consensus on this other guy. So the first one, Leonard Fournette. I killed it with the Leonard Fournette take. Our draft kit all summer, we were so far above consensus. Multiple rounds above consensus for Leonard Fournette. We thought this is a potential bell cow for a top three offense. And it turns out he has been a bell cow for a top three offense. He has smashed his ADP. And... I think it's interesting, the, the people that are still on Ronald Jones, the people that were drafting him this year, his ADP, Rojo was going before Fournette on underdog fantasy and best ball. Most platforms, actually, Fournette went after Ronald Jones. It was crazy. And I feel like people get hung up with Ronald Jones. They're like, oh, these film people, they go, you know, Ronald Jones is so, do you know how good he is between the tackles? Ronald Jones is so, oh, the, the dude is an animal between the tackles. But I have some uh, some news for you. Do you know what the least efficient play is in real NFL football? It's those damn runs up the middle for three yards a carry. They suck. And the Buccaneers are a smart team and they realize you probably shouldn't just pound the ball up the middle, even if that's what Ronald Jones happens to be good at when you have Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette in the passing game. It just made no sense. But anyway, let's let's even say, all right, we'll give them credit Ronald Jones, let's even say, what if he was just a generational between the tackles talent? Ronald Jones is, let's say he was the, even the best there is. And that rather than three yards a carry, he was getting you three and a half or four, maybe even five yards a carry on those runs up the middle. Oh, so many yards per carry. So many broken tackles. Well, Tom Brady's averaging a, a hell of a lot more than three, four, five yards per pass attempt. It's just not efficient to run the ball up the middle. And Ronald Jones happens to have the holy trinity of things going against him when it comes to scoring fantasy points. Uh, He's bad with ball security. He's not great with pass protection. 
and he's not a good pass catcher. That is the holy trinity, those three things right there. You want your running back to score fantasy points? Well, you need them out on the field for third downs, pass protection and and pass catching. Rojo, terrible at both of those. And then you want him to get some some goal line carries? You want the touchdowns? Well, to get those goal line carries, he kind of needs ball security. He fumbles constantly. He doesn't have that either. Ronald Jones was a terrible pick. Leonard Fournette was a great pick because what is Leonard Fournette good at? Pass catching, ball security, everything that you want in a running back that's going to be able to stay out on the field with Tom Brady. And you might not, Josh, you're an analytics guy. Like, sure, you watch some football, but you're not grinding the film. You don't get it. Dude, Leonard Fournette, he's not good at football anymore. Don't you understand? The guy's washed. Fat Lenny, he can't evade tackles. Okay, YouTube film grinder out there. I've got a, I've just, just a quick question for you. So we can officially just settle this debate that it's Leonard Fournette over Ronald Jones. It's not even close, but here's a thought experiment just to make sure that all the the YouTube film grinders can get back in that Ronald Jones hole and sincerely apologize for their their horrible takes. And it is who who is the best football mind of our generation? And he's he's been around a while, maybe even the past two generations. Who's the smartest guy in the NFL? Is it a player? Is it a coach? I would say the smartest football mind out there today is Tom Brady. If there is anyone, player, coach, who knows how to win, who's won more Super Bowls himself than any franchise in NFL history. That's right. Tom Brady has more Super Bowl rings than any franchise in NFL history. Just ridiculous. And you want to know what Tom Brady, a proven winner, the guy who knows how to win, who knows what it takes and knows what players he wants around him, he wants Leonard Fournette out there for as many snaps as possible. That right there should settle the debate that the greatest of all time believes Leonard Fournette, who helped carry them to a Super Bowl win last year, and they're set up for another potential Super Bowl run this year, that Leonard Fournette is who he wants in the backfield as much as possible. Let's see, we got some comments going on. Let's check the stream quickly. Indiana Josh this week. Thank you. Yes, people loving the bucket hat. Making fun of me for entering Blake lineups. Yeah, I I did. People saying Dak and Stafford lineups crushed it. I agree. Those were very good lineups this week. Someone said, thank God I faded Miles Sanders and didn't listen to you. Good for you. Let's now talk about Miles Sanders. <laughs> because yes, I was above consensus on Miles Sanders. And the, the general thesis was this and why I was drafting a lot of him this summer. There was no real competition in that backfield to keep him off the field and to keep him from getting some touches. There was Boston Scott, tiny UDFA, who's a literal zero this year. Boston Scott is nothing. And then there was fifth round pick Kenny Gainwell, who had a strong season two years ago at Memphis, but was largely unproven and kind of a black box and significantly smaller and potentially even just not even as fast as Sanders. So a slower, less explosive and smaller back than Sanders. But probably, maybe a better pass catcher, probably. But I just thought Miles Sanders was going to be out on the field so much that he was going to have enough opportunities to pay off at ADP. And it's quite the conundrum because I was correct on one thing. Miles Sanders is always on the field. Just for some reason, I missed the part, the memo where he doesn't get any touches. Entering week six, Miles Sanders was number nine among running backs in the NFL with a 66.1% snap share. Number nine in the NFL. That was the thesis all summer. Sanders is going to be out on the field. There's just no one out there in the the running back room that's going to be taking a ton of snaps from him. The problem, uh, is it Jalen Hurts? Is it the play calling? 
maybe some of both, maybe a little bit gain well, but number nine in snap share. Unfortunately, Miles Sanders has been number 19 in opportunity share entering week six. That was a pretty big difference, but there was, there was a little bit of a positive potential flip. I don't really know what it is. It's small sample, but in week six, Sanders played about 80% of the snaps. He had nine carries and four targets. So still that's good work, but it's not workhorse role. Nine carries, four targets, but Gainwell, no rush attempts and two targets. Is that a trend going forward? Is that one game to be determined? But the the positive for Sanders and people like myself out there who are just loaded with him in best ball, at least he's out on the field. Maybe the team will realize that Jalen Hurts playing hero ball and trying to lead all quarterbacks in rush attempts and pass attempts on the season, that maybe this isn't really the right strategy. We should give it a little more to Miles Sanders. So stay tuned on that, but I'm not quite ready to take the full L on Sanders, but that's kind of the what my summer thesis was and what didn't really work out is this is the very, it's a kind of a unique case where the guys on the field, he just isn't getting touches. It's kind of like Miles Sanders has the best seat in the house to watch these NFL games. Miles Sanders is the ultimate spectator. He has the NFL's version of a courtside seat at a basketball game. He's right out on the field all the time, two thirds plus of the time he's on the field. He just doesn't get the touches. He's just watching the action unfold. And I don't like spectators as my running back. So hopefully something changes there. But fortunately for Sanders, he has a really nice game in week seven against Vegas, which is easier than his last four matchups, which were Dallas, the Chiefs, the Panthers, the Buccaneers. Remember, Miles Sanders, when he had a when he had a cupcake opponent, like in week one versus Atlanta, he had 15 carries, five targets, over 100 total yards. So the bounce back could be there. I'm getting a couple comments about our DFS package. So we, we've made a couple changes to the package. We're trying to improve it every single week. And one thing I can tell you is I assure you each week there will be new innovations with our DFS package. It's only going to get better. And I assure you that a few weeks from now, it's going to be incredible. Just keep watching new features get added. I assure you, be patient. It's going to be worth the wait. There's a lot more innovation to come. There's thousands of lines of code on my computer for some really cool stuff that will soon be incorporated. Hold tight. We understand. Now let's talk about underdog props. Promo code underworld. If you're a new user to underdog fantasy gets you a $10 deposit match. Now I I just crushed it with the underdog lines this week. So there were five that were my favorite. You could have seen them on our website. If you have the DFS dominator package, you don't just get DFS help. You also get our underdog lines. And here were my five favorites. Randall Cobb under 37 and a half yards. The guy stinks. Hardman over 34 and a half yards. Receiving big enough roll now and he crushed it, about doubled it. Booker, I went under 46 and a half rush yards. He's not a good running back. They're facing the Rams. Negative game script. Sure enough, he got game scripted out and couldn't run the ball. They got trampled by the Rams. The next one, Kareem Hunt under 113 and a half total yards. I get it, Hunt got injured in that game. However, why would you ever take the over on something that we don't really see happen very often? Kareem Hunt, in two of his 29 games in his career with Cleveland, has hit the over on that yardage total. The four games Chubb was out last year, he never did it. That's just a lot of yards, 113 and a half. Take the under. Maybe he doesn't play well. Maybe he gets injured like he did. There's just so many factors for him not to hit that. And the final one was Chenault over three and a half receptions. That was disrespectful. He had six. He's the one of the primary pass catchers in a, an offense that's going to have to throw the ball. So 
Those five crushed it. And I made over two grand on those five player props. How did I do it? How did I salvage my minus $1,000 day in DFS? Here's a little trick for all you underdog fantasy users. Do not just bet the five. I know it's fun. You take five or maybe you correlate them, which I also do where sometimes you'll go like, let's take a quarterback and two receivers. We're going to hit the overs. Let's take the running back on that team and hit the under. And then we're going to grab the quarterback on the other team and also hit the passing yards over. You can correlate them like that, but whatever it is, if you feel really good about some lines, mix it up. So I took all five. I took the Cobb under, Hardman over, Booker under, Hunt under, Chenault over. Then I did every combination of four. So I did like Cobb, Hardman, Booker, Hunt, leaving out Chenault. Then Cobb, Hardman, Booker, Chenault, leaving out Hunt. I did all the four combos. Then I did all the three combos. Then I did all the two combos. This way, say one of those five doesn't hit. You don't want to be left with nothing. That would, how much would that suck if you got four or five props right and you're not rewarded and you just get, nope, sorry, your, 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 your pick five didn't hit. That is why you also want to insulate yourself and sit. Because think about it like this, mathematically. These lines, they're supposed to be 50-50 over under. Let's say I've done my research. You do your research. You think it's 60-40. You think there's a 60% chance the under hits. Great. But that still means there's a 40% chance the over hits. And you can always be wrong. However, the, the goal is we're, we're ideally more right than we are wrong. And so you want to insulate and hedge with these player props. It's one of the few times that hedging is really key with anything fantasy football related. So not only does that help you if, say, four of the five hit, you still have a profitable day, rather than just saying, oh, shit, I blew my five entry because one didn't hit. Then also, when all of all five hit, oh, baby, I roll in cash because the five hit, all the combos of four hit, all the combos of three hit, all the combos of two hit. That right there is one of the biggest keys to why I've been so profitable with underdog props. Wow, you can hear hear those loud sirens. I I think I've mentioned it on this stream before. I live across the street from a fire station and they're not very respectful of first mover, which is good. We want people to be saved. Firefighters are first responders. I actually had a first responder certification in college to lead outdoor hiking trips for my school. Partly why I've got such a sexy hiking bucket hat on today is I'm an outdoorsy guy. If I'm not in a dark room staring at code, I like to hike. It's a nice, it's a dichotomy. All right, let's move on now to the the week seven slate. Quarterback on DraftKings at the very, very top, we've got Kyler Murray, 8,500 versus Houston. Eh, I'm not very interested in that one. Probably not going to full fade Kyler, but Houston is just not necessarily the best opponent when you want your quarterback to have a bonanza of fantasy points. So just drop down 100. We've got Mahomes 8,400 at Tennessee. That's a really good one. Brady, Tom Brady, 7,700 on DraftKings against Chicago. And every single week is Tom Brady week in DFS. Tom Brady this year, two games with five touchdown passes. Another game with four touchdown passes. Two games over 400 passing yards. Every single week, you need to be double stacking Tom Brady with the three receivers and either Fournette or whoever the active tight end is this week. So if Gronk is active, it's Evans, Godwin, Antonio Brown, Fournette, Gronk. If he's not, it looks like OJ Howard is now the guy there. So it would be the big three receivers, Fournette and Gronk. Double stack Brady. Ugh, Aaron Rodgers, he's still... 
Every single week, I just shake my head trying to understand playing Aaron Rodgers. He's facing Washington. He's 7,500. It's very expensive. He's only hit 300 passing yards once this year. The pace of the Green Bay offense is not conducive to fantasy points. They are incredibly slow paced. They have two above average running backs on the roster. It's just, it's not a, not a great environment for DFS week in and week out. We've got Lamar. He's a good play, 7,400. He's cheaper than Aaron Rodgers. Higher floor and higher ceiling than Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, each week. 7,400 versus Cincinnati. Stafford, 7,100 versus Detroit. Revenge game? Oh, yeah, baby. Now, I actually don't really like the revenge game narrative, but it's Detroit. Their defense is terrible. Stafford's just going to shred them. Revenge game or not, I don't care. This is a bottom five defense facing an offense that cannot be contained. Play some Stafford this week. Love the double stacks with Stafford. Or you can always just single stack them with Cooper Cup or Robert Woods. Jalen Hurts, 6,900 versus Vegas. Really like that one. And Tannehill, 6,400 versus Kansas City. Remember, when a quarterback is facing another high-scoring offense quarterback where that quarterback, like Mahomes, is projected for a ton of fantasy points, it naturally raises the ceiling of Tannehill and it raises his floor. And that the, the typical projection system doesn't factor this in. That's one thing that we we do, I think, really well at Player Profiler is that our projection engine factors this type of stuff in. So Tannehill is going to project pretty well this week, I, w- I would assume. I haven't, I'll run projections either tomorrow afternoon or Wednesday morning, but I assume Tannehill is going to project pretty well. He's 6,400 Kansas City. That's a great one. Matt Ryan, 5,700 at Miami. Matt Ryan is coming off the bye. The team's fresh. And he's quietly averaging a whopping 41 pass attempts per game. Kyle Pitts broke out. They should have Calvin Ridley back. The Miami defense has just been flat out bad this year. Their cornerback unit is atrocious because the starters are all banged up. I don't even know who their cornerbacks are right now. So yeah, it's just, it's a bad scene there. And then naturally, who else is in that game with Matt Ryan? Tua Tagovailoa. He's 5,500 versus Atlanta. He had 47 pass attempts, 22 rushing yards against Jacksonville and London. That's some pretty pretty solid numbers in his first game back. They did not ease him in. Hopefully, he gets Devontae Parker back for this one. Waddle broke out this past week. Kasicki's been a top five tight end the past few weeks. This game features two bad defenses. It's a sneaky shootout this week. Daniel Jones, I posted on Twitter, at tweets earlier today about him. 5,400 versus Carolina. Daniel Jones is just this quintessential GPP large field tournament winning quarterback. This is what they look like. The Carolina defense, they were a product of their early schedule. They just got eviscerated through the air by Kirk Cousins. Cousins completed 69% of his passes. Nice. For 373 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And I know Daniel Jones, he was really terrible against the Rams, but there were some positive signs. He looked like he'd recovered from his week five concussion. And I'll I'll let you know what I posted on Twitter earlier today about Daniel Jones. I basically was like, for 5,400, there's a quarterback on DraftKings who has a game with over 400 pass yards this year, a game with with 95 rush yards this year, two games with 29 or more DraftKings fantasy points, and two games with under 10 fantasy points to suppress his fantasy points average. This is what we want. We want the high ceiling, low floor, Super volatile quarterback 
that is the kind of guy where he is perfect for a GPP. Love Daniel Jones this week. All right, uh, FanDuel, Mahomes is at the top on FanDuel for quarterbacks, 8,800 at Tennessee. Uh, Love Tom Brady, 8,000 versus Chicago. And then again, Daniel Jones, 7,000 versus Carolina. Those three right there are three really attractive quarterback options that I like on FanDuel this week. Let's turn to running back. Oh, someone asked, did I talk about Fields yet? I'm not very interested in Fields this week. I want the training wheels to come off a little bit more. He got a little banged up, so not super interested in Justin Fields right now. Thank you, stream commenters. All right, let's turn to running back DraftKings. Derrick Henry, as you might have guessed, he's he's at the top, 9,200 against Kansas City. And there's a real lack of high-end running back options this week. There's Aaron Jones, 7,500 versus Washington. And Aaron Jones is the only other running back along with Derrick Henry, over 7K, that's expected to play in week seven. It's a really weird slate with the running backs in that sense. So we have Fournette in the 6K range. Let me see. I've, let me pull up his exact salary. I want to say 6,400, 66. Leonard Fournette, 6,400 against Chicago. So, I mean, yeah, you got to play Leonard Fournette. Talked about him in the intro. Darrell Henderson, 6,600 versus Detroit. He's a good play, and he's probably going to be heavy, 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 heavy chalk because, and he's good chalk. I mean, Darrell Henderson getting 20 opportunities per game in an elite offense facing Detroit which has been the number one defense to target this year for your running backs in fantasy. Cordero Patterson on DraftKings is 6,300 against Miami. He's interesting. And I really like him as part of Matt Ryan double stacks. The past month, the past four games, Cordero Patterson has averaged. This is just receiving. Cordero Patterson has averaged seven tar- over seven targets, nearly six catches, over 70 receiving yards, and a receiving touchdown per game. Sure, the touchdowns probably come down. He had that one three-touchdown game. But the actual pass game role is as elite as it gets for a running back. A few other guys I like. Chuba Hubbard, 6,100 at the Giants. The dude's a bell cow. McCaffrey on IR. Every week is DeAndre Swift week. 6,000 at the Rams. Gotta love that negative game script. Garbage time. It doesn't matter. Swift is gonna find a way to score fantasy points. And each week, it seems like he's capturing a larger opportunity share in that Detroit offense. You'll love to see it. Daryl Williams, 5,800 at Tennessee. He's interesting. 21 carries, four targets, 25 opportunities total in week six. He scored twice. Daryl Williams, still underpriced, in my opinion. And then the last guy I'm still interested in, I would go as low as 5,100. Miles Sanders at Vegas. That's probably the cheapest running back I'm interested in. I mean, 80% of the snaps this past week. Kenny Gamewell basically just didn't touch the football. Is that a trend? Is that nothing? Who knows? But at 5,100, I'm going to take a few shots on Miles Sanders this week. He finally gets out of these dreadful matchups where it's Dallas and Tampa Bay. It's hopefully smooth sailing finally at Vegas. FanDuel, this one, I, I chuckled audibly. Derrick Henry's at the top on FanDuel against Kansas City. Take a minute. Think what you believe his salary is. Derrick Henry's salary is 11000 on FanDuel. Wow. If you don't want to pay that much, you still want a bell cow. I like Leonard Fournette. He's 7000 on FanDuel, but I mean, good God. I'll probably have to get up to Henry in some tournament lineups this week, but it's a little painful when he's 11000 You really need that 40 to 50 point week from him at that point. Wide receiver. DraftKings, the highest priced. Devontae Adams, 8900 versus Washington. 
Another good one up at the top, Tyreek Hill at Tennessee, 8,600. Cooper Cup, 8,400 versus Detroit. Cup's basically just the Devontae Adams West, in a way, where Cup is just commanding an outrageous amount of volume and constantly scoring touchdowns. Dropping down a little bit, I like DJ Moore, 7,100 at the Giants. The price has gone down, but he had 13 targets and a rush attempt yesterday. But back-to-back bad fantasy outputs, price is dropping. He's still an elite talent. Very likely going to have a top five target share on this slate. We'll be playing some DJ Moore, 7,100. I also like Calvin Ridley, 6,600 at Miami. The past three games he's played, all 10 or more targets. And get this, Calvin Ridley is number two in the NFL with a 48.8% air yard share. In games Ridley's played this year, about half of Matt Ryan's air yards have gone to Calvin Ridley. You'll love to see it. That is consolidation at its finest. Some mid-tier receivers. I like Godwin. He's dropping down in price. 5,900 versus Chicago. Sterling Shepard had 14 targets in his return to action after injury yesterday. 14 targets, 5,600 versus Carolina. T. Higgins continues to slip. Still a very good talent. Still betting on the talent. 4,900 at Baltimore. And I've got three cheap receivers for you this week. Rashad Bateman. 3,400 versus the Bengals. He had six targets, which tied for the target lead yesterday with Mark Andrews. Rashad Bateman still super cheap. He was 3K last week, 3,400 this week. You you absolutely love seeing a guy, a rookie, coming in game one, week six, because he's missed a lot of time, and he immediately commands the highest target share on the team. That's an alpha right there. Uh, if we go up a little bit in salary... Cheap, not too cheap. Russell Gage, he practiced today. So he's probably going to return for week seven. He's only 4K on DraftKings. Last game he played in week two. Seven targets, five catches. So Russell Gage, interesting, inexpensive receiver. Could throw him into your Matt Ryan double stacks. And then if you want to go really low, and I mean, this one's crazy. Unless you have already seen this stat, you're not going to believe me and you're going to want to check it for yourself. Dante Pettis, now on the New York Giants. He's 3K this week. Again, just like Henry's salary. Think in your head. How many targets do you think Dante Pettis had yesterday? Did he have five? Five would be a lot of targets. Six, seven, eight. That'd be... Could you imagine if there was a guy that had eight targets yesterday and is now priced at 3K? Not nine, not 10. Dante Pettis had 11 targets yesterday. What? Yeah, he's 3K. Tony banged up. Galladay banged up. Slayton banged up. Saquon banged up. If you're looking to double stack, Daniel Jones, you could throw in... Sterling Shepard, Dante Pettis. That's a really inexpensive and high upside stack. Those guys combined for 25 targets yesterday. So that was a that's a really nice punt play wide receiver this week. All right, let's look at FanDuel. Receivers, Adams at the top at 9K. A guy I really love this week. I think I talked about him two weeks ago because he had another really low salary. Was For some reason, Mike Evans has had some really attractive salaries on FanDuel. He's exactly the type of receiver we like on FanDuel. Fewer catches and a lot of touchdowns. And it's half PPR and FanDuel. And no 100-yard bonus. So you don't have to worry if Evans gives you 60 yards. He gives you two touchdowns on FanDuel. You're good. 7,100 versus Chicago. Turning to tight end, DraftKings. Travis Kelsey, 7,600 at Tennessee. And I love it. Tennessee right now is currently showing that they are first. As in, the scariest team against tight ends. But it's because Tennessee hasn't really played any teams with dominant tight ends. And the Tennessee secondary has been so bad, teams just are targeting receivers against them. 
Good news, Kelsey's basically a wide receiver. Assuming that his hand, which he injured in yesterday's game, is healthy, Kelsey could be a monster, 7,600 on DraftKings. I also like Kyle Pitts. He broke out in week five before the bye with over 100 yards and a touchdown in London, 5,900 at Miami. TJ Hawkinson, 5,100 at the Rams. Hawkinson, a couple weeks ago, I was a little worried. He looked like he was a little hobbled by the knee injury. It didn't hold him back yesterday. I think he's fine. Yesterday, Hawkinson, 11 targets, 8 receptions, 74 yards. He throws a touchdown on that stat line, and that's a GPP winning tight end right there, 5,100. There's also Mike Gesicki, 4,700 versus Atlanta. The past four games, Gesicki, 16.5 fantasy points a game. Brissett loved him. Tua loves him. He had over 100 yards yesterday against Jacksonville. You gotta find a way to get Gesicki in some lineups this week. Going down a couple more tight ends I liked. Goddard, 4,600 at Vegas. Remember, Ertz no longer there, so interesting. We'll see what happens with Goddard's role. Zach Ertz, 3,900 versus Houston. Now on the Cardinals. If there was ever a tight end with a lot of touchdown upside, it's one on the the Cardinals offense. I like Ertz, 3,900. Going down a little bit more, Ricky Seals-Jones, 3,700 against Green Bay. Ricky Seals-Jones. Look at the game locks. He's he's essentially the one-for-one replacement for Logan Thomas. Curtis Samuel doesn't look like he's playing anytime soon with that groin injury. Uh, Jimmy Brown has looked okay. It's basically just McLaurin. I mean, Gibson's already banged up a little bit. It's like McLaurin, McKissick, Ricky Seals-Jones in that passing game. Love RSJ at 3,700. FanDuel, tight end. We got Kelsey at the top, 8,600. Always a good play. And then I like Gesicki, 6,000. Ertz, 5,300. And then a good FanDuel play is whoever the Tampa Bay tight end is. So if Gronk's out, OJ Howard, I really like his price tag this week. Seven targets in the Thursday night game this past week. And he's 5,200 on FanDuel. Now the, the, the most fun part of this podcast, the defense special teams analysis. Oh, this is good. DraftKings, the Rams are at the top. 5,000 versus Detroit. But you don't have to spend up because there's three cheaper defenses that I love this week. The Patriots, 3,400 versus the Jets. The Cardinals, this is egregious, honestly. The Cardinals are 3,100 versus Houston. They're going to be a popular defense, and rightfully so. This could get ugly for Houston. 3,100 for the Cardinals. And then I like the Giants for a low-priced defense. 2,500 versus Carolina. Sam Darnold, as the, the Halloween enthusiasts like to say, Sam Darnold turned back into a pumpkin this past week. I love that phrase. I want to know who invented that, but that's who coined that term. That's a great phrase. Sam Darnold turned back into a pumpkin. So Giants defense, 2,500 versus Carolina. On FanDuel, the Cardinals defense is at the top, 5K. So yeah, that's what a discrepancy. The Cardinals defense is right middle of the pack, only 3,100 on DraftKings. The most expensive defense, 5,000 on FanDuel versus Houston. There's some good options, though. We've got Tampa Bay, 4,400 versus Chicago. That game could be ugly. And then the Giants, the cheap defense. I like it. 3,600 versus Carolina. I'm getting some help in the chat. It looks like the, the pumpkin phrase, someone is saying they're attributing it to the the novel Cinderella. So that, <laughs> that might be right. Turn back into a pumpkin. All right. Let's look at the, the 10 games on this DFS slate for week seven. A couple couple notable teams missing from this slate on bye. 
It's sad. We don't have my favorite Justin Herbert this week. We don't have Dak this week. We don't have Josh Allen, but it's okay. There's a few interesting games this week. We have Cincinnati at Baltimore, moderately interested in this one. 48 and a half point game total. Baltimore six and a half point favorites at home. So that's a decent game total. You could roll out some Burrow double stacks. You could play some Lamar. Probably do some of both. The next game, I like it on the Giants end, especially is Carolina at the Giants. 44 and a half game total. Carolina favored by three. Low game total. Don't think many people are on this one. And that's why, like I said, I love Daniel Jones in a GPP. Large field tournament this week. We've got Washington at Green Bay. It's a pretty hefty game total, actually. 49 and a half. Green Bay, eight and a half point favorites. But again, just with the pace, Rodgers is probably going to have a really good fantasy day. But is it the kind of fantasy day where you can win a GPP with it? I'm just not convinced right now. I just haven't seen anything with this offense to lead me to believe that Rodgers has slate-breaking upside. And with how expensive he is, he really needs to be the first or second most highest scoring quarterback on the slate. And I just don't, I don't see it. We've got, this is a good one. Kansas City at Tennessee. 56 and a half point game total. Titans are four and a half point underdogs at home. This is a good one. Love the Mahomes stacks. Love the Tannehill stacks. This is a good one to onslaught and throw a quarterback with two receivers and then run it back with two people on the other team. This could be a really high scoring one. And then another one I like is Atlanta at Miami. 47 and a half game total. It's moderate, but good. Falcons, uh, I... I'm not quite sure this line probably is going to move at some point. Maybe it's just because they came off at their bye. Falcons one and a half point favorites over Miami, even though they're on the road. That was kind of interesting for me to see, but that's kind of the sneaky shootout this week. More on that in a little bit. Jets at the Patriots, 43 and a half game total. Patriots by seven. Not very interested in this one, aside from how affordable the Patriots defense is on DraftKings. We've got... The, that Stafford revenge game, Detroit at the Rams, 49 and a half point game total, which is really high. And that team total of the Rams is astronomical because it's a 49 and a half game total. Rams favored by 14 and a half points. Oh, that means Vegas thinks they're going to score over 30 points in this one. And I think they're right. Love those Stafford stacks this week. Run it back with Swifter Hawkinson. Ooh. Philly at Vegas, 48 and a half point game total. Vegas, two and a half point favorites over the Eagles. I think Hertz is interesting in this one as he always is each week. Derek Carr still sort of interesting for GPPs. He keeps kind of getting there a lot of these weeks where he, at his reduced salary, he's good enough with the fantasy output. And there's a few interesting stacking options with him now. Uh, Ruggs has emerged. I think Ruggs is top 15 or something like that in or top 20 in receiving yards in the NFL now. So Ruggs... Uh, Looking better in second in his second year. Brian Edwards showing flashes from time to time. Still need him to get more raw targets, though. There's Waller. There's Renfro. There's some options here. The Bears at the Buccaneers. 48.5 point game total. Tampa Bay projected for about 30 points. Wow. 11.5 point favorites at home. This is Brady double stack week, as it always is. You could run it back with, uh, I don't know, you could choose the running back like Damian Williams if he's off the COVID list and say against Tampa Bay gets a lot of targets. But I, I wouldn't really want to do that. I'd probably look to, to either Mooney or Robinson or no run back. You could just go a Brady double stack and say the, the Bears offense is slow. They're, they've got the training wheels on fields. I'm just going to take Brady Evans Godwin and call it a day in TFS. That's allowed too. Now we have 
The final one on the slate, Houston at the Cardinals. 48-point game total. Oh, baby. Arizona favored by 16.5 points. So, wow. Going to want some Cardinals in your lineups. Don't love those Kyler double stacks or single stacks. Just, it's. I don't think it's the best week. Just the these Texans games have not necessarily been world beaters in the fantasy points department. You can always stack Kyler and run it back with Brandon Cooks, but it's not a game I'm quite as excited about, but it's a week slate, so that game is viable. All right, chat, nothing nothing too crazy. No more final questions. Get them in before I get you out of here on a hot take and we can watch this unbelievable game, at least on paper. Gotta love it. Titans and Bills facing off. I'm excited for this one. Let me take a sip and then... We're going to get on with it. So, what is it this week? It is that the Falcons at Dolphins game is the signature shootout of the week. I just don't see how this game can't shoot out. I really like it. It's a sneaky one for DFS. This is one where if you stack the game right, I think you can take down a tournament. And this week, I think both offenses score at least four touchdowns in week seven. 